This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader the station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Linfield University normally doesn't make big news, but in the past month, the private school has attracted the attention of the NAACP, Anti-Defamation League, Oregon Board of Rabbis, and national news outlets. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with the Oregonian. Up next, Cops and Courts reporter Max Bernstein discusses the still-unfolding situation at Linfield, where a tenured Shakespeare scholar was fired last month. We talked about that controversy, how it's played out on campus, and how the university is handling it. Here's our conversation. Max Bernstein, thanks so much for taking time to talk today. Thank you. Glad to be here. So Linfield University typically exists way off the radar. Its main campus is in McMinnville. It's out in wine country. But now this private school is a national story. How did that happen? Uh, It started when I uh, learned of a federal lawsuit that a student had filed against one of the board trustees, David Jubb, accusing him of sexually abusing her um, at the end of a student trustee dinner back in 2019. And also uh, after when a number of the trustees and the student trustee um, went to a bar in McMinnville. And so that lawsuit, I wrote about that. And in the suit, the student trustee alleged that the university was aware of prior allegations of sexual harassment by this trustee involving other students, but had failed to take action. And this is coming right at the time as the university has a pretty new president, Miles Davis, who had arrived in 2018, I believe. And so this is, he kind of arrives right as things are starting to heat up, it seems. Yeah. President Davis arrived at a time when in 2019, there was declining enrollment and he was really tasked with addressing that and restructuring what was Linfield College into uh, what is now Linfield University. So it's now Linfield University. And we should note that uh, Mr. Davis is a black man. You know, Oregon is uh, an overwhelmingly white state. Yamhill County um, is even, you know, whiter than than the rest of the state. And so he's he's taking the helm at this school that's trying to rebrand itself. But Fast forward to 2021. Now we've got a situation where the Anti-Defamation League, the NAACP, the Oregon Board of Rabbis, national news outlets are all focused on Linfield University. Can you talk about why exactly there's so much attention uh, on this place? Well, 
There, it involved a uh, faculty trustee who's a tenured English professor, Daniel Pollock Pelsner, who became a whistleblower and an advocate for students and faculty who had complained about alleged sexual harassment and, and abuse by a uh, number of four different board trustees, uh, including the university president. And each step of the way, he said he was met with um, pretty strong pushback from the board chair and the board president and alleged that he faced retaliation and was told not to try to destroy Linfield from within. He was pushing for uh, more sexual harassment training for board trustees and, and stricter guidelines on trustee faculty interactions amid these complaints. And then after a while, the professor felt he was blocked at every step he took with the board. And so he spoke out publicly. He went on Twitter with with a uh, thread. Unvarnished. Yes, that's a good word. Uh, unvarnished thread describing what had happened, claiming that he had been censored and defamed and retaliated against and alleged that the president had made anti-Semitic remarks as well as the board chair. So this is all really starting to escalate. And this is all during a pandemic, right? When, you know, there aren't, students on campus and there's not, you know, these meetings I would imagine are remote or are there students on campus? I believe there was a hybrid. There was both. Uh, there were, there were classes, uh, but yeah, I believe that, but the board trustee meetings were, were not in person during the pandemic. It was by video conference. And universities, you know, trustees are usually powerful, influential people who have ties to the university. It's kind of unusual in my experience covering higher ed previously to have faculty members who, who are voting members of that board, right? And Mr. Pollock Pelsner was able to vote on matters on the board as well, right? He, he was a voting member, but towards the end, before he was fired, they were stripping him of his ability to attend executive sessions. The university contended that he was spreading information from the executive sessions improperly. He says that he, he obtained the information independently, was trying to get the board to respond and put in additional training and, and further safeguards to prevent uh, any abuse of students. And then uh, the university also acted to change the governance structure and are moving to curtail uh, any voting rights of a faculty trustee member going forward. Instead, they're going to have three faculty trustees, one each representing uh, the College of Arts and Science, Business and Nursing, but they won't have a voting, they won't have any voting power. Let's talk about the firing. Um, how, how did Mr. Pollock Pelsner learn that he was fired? And what has uh, President Davis said to you um, about about his rationale here? Because it's pretty exceptional to fire a, a tenured professor. Yeah, all along, uh, Professor Pollock Pelsner, you know, students were worried about his advocacy for them, wondered if he you know, face firing and termination. And he felt that he had some sort of privilege because he's a tenured professor with an endowed chair. But um, last week, he received initially uh, an email from the provost or HR uh, alerting him that the next day, there would 
he needed to come to a mandatory meeting at 4 p.m. Uh, he asked what it would be about. He, all he was told that was regarding his employment. He requested a lawyer be present and asked for some time to have a lawyer present at this meeting. And ultimately, the school canceled the meeting and he learned he was on his work laptop on a Zoom work-related session when it uh, his screen just went blank and his computer shut down. He tried to get back. He used his personal email and sent his work email, sent a message to his work email, and it automatic bounced back that he was no longer employed. And, and that's how he found out. And he received a... Um, package from the university the next day by FedEx with his termination letter. Pretty, pretty remarkable turn of events. What did he say to you about this? I know you had a a lengthy interview. How did he explain this? Because he knows, having been in higher education, that this is not something that that happens often and not something that uh, administrators take lightly, uh, terminating a, a tenured professor. Yeah, he uh, he said that the faculty handbook that describes the process for terminating tenured uh, faculty did not apply to Professor Pollock Pelsner. He contends that he was fired not as a professor, but a for his work as an employee. The university had released a statement saying the professor quote, deliberately circulated false statements about the university, its employees, its board was insubordinate and interfered with the university's administration of its responsibilities. He said that the firing had nothing to do with Pollock Pelsner's professor, his his work as a professor, his academic uh, work, and that it was restricted to his position as an employee and that the faculty handbook was outdated. That's been, you know, roundly criticized by national organizations that represent professors and, and speak uh, and protect academic freedom. And the president, you know, he rebuffed calls to resign and he defended the firing. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned calls to resign because um, this has not gone over well on campus in McMinnville with with the faculty, uh, the faculty senator with uh, students, right? Right. The uh, alumni sent, you know, an extensive letter to the board of trustees calling for the professor's reinstatement. There's an organization called Foundation for Individual Rights in Education known as FIRE, that sent off a letter to the president and to the board of trustees criticizing and slamming the action and feeling that it, you know, it, it puts every tenured professor in the hot seat potentially based on uh, the president's reading of, of the university handbook. So let's go back to your conversation with President Davis, because there's a lot of allegations on all sides here, including allegations of anti-Semitic um, comments from from the president. Um, and, and during your conversation with him, it sounds like he, he acknowledged he might've said some things that people were offended by, but he kind of, he, he said at one point, quote, we have to give people a chance to demonstrate their humanity. Meaning, you know, if, if something is, is taken out of context or offends, offends someone come talk to me basically. So, I mean, was that kind of your takeaway that, that he seemed to think like 
you know, this doesn't need to be escalated to this point? Or I'm just wondering what you made of how he addressed um, these allegations that were made not just by Pollock Pelsner, but by other members of the campus community. Well, it was interesting because initially Professor Pollock Pelsner had, you know, complained internally, the university and the university hired an investigator to do an inquiry into the alleged anti-Semitic remarks by, by the president. And in that investigation, the summary said, you know, it was, uh, that the president denied the remarks regarding Jewish noses that he had allegedly made in a meeting with the professor. And they said it was a heat, you know, it was one man's word against another. And so it was unsubstantiated. And then when I spoke with the president, he said, you know, when he was first questioned about it by the invest university investigation, he, he was kind of caught off guard, not remembering it. What, what the heck was this? But he said he, um, had since remembered some of the conversation and said, you know, he might as well have said that from a physical characteristic perspective. And I'm quoting him. Uh, he said, quote, you'd be hard pressed to tell the difference among Semitic people that he may have referenced it in a, in a historical setting. They were discussing Shakespeare's Merchant of Venice and uh, the themes of intolerance. And um, Davis said the remark wasn't a racist thing. He was talking about physical characteristics of Semitic people and that, you know, there was no anti-Semitic uh, intention at all in his in his remarks. So now, you know, Mr. Davis, in your conversation and in other public remarks backed by the NAACP has has brought up his, you know, his identity and his his race as a black man as being a factor here. Right. Right. Shortly after the Oregon Board of even perhaps the same day that the Oregon Board of Rabbis um, sent a letter to the president calling for his resignation because of the alleged remarks uh, made to Professor Pollock Pelsner, as well as additional remarks that two psychology professors recounted from their psychology department meeting with the president uh, in the past regarding the Holocaust. Shortly after the Oregon Board of Rabbis sent a letter to the president asking for his uh, resignation, he asked the local Salem-Kaiser chapter of the NAACP to do an investigation into uh, racial animus against him. And the local chapter investigated and reached out to the particular like six or so professors who had raised allegations against the president asking to interview them and they wanted more information before they spoke. And then the NAACP released a findings that, that the president was the victim of racist bias and that Linfield's board was unprepared for the challenges a black leader would face in a predominantly white university and, and that he was facing what institutionalized racism. Yeah, he said something to the effect of this is what happens when you try to shake things up and when it's a person of color shaking things up at a university. Right. And I think a lot of the, you know, pr- professors who were who the NAACP reached out to said they would welcome an investigation into, uh, you know, 
concerns by students and faculty of racism on campus, but they felt that the NAACP inquiry was directed at them in retaliation for speaking out. Yeah, Linfield, I, I know, is is uh, is proud of its uh, its diversity among its small, you know, enrollment of around 2000 people, it, it does have uh, nearly a third student of color, uh, which is high compared to, to other universities in the state. And then there's a lot of concern about the fallout from from this, and from the attention around this uh, regarding, um, and there already has been a uh, longtime donor on the board, Ronnie LeCrute, who actually endowed the chair that Professor Pollock Pelsner held in Shakespeare Studies, resigned from the board on Sunday. She sent a letter of resignation right after hours-long board meeting that occurred on Saturday. And she's pledged to continue to support the university. Uh, she used to own a wine winery in McMinnville that she sold, but she's been a huge supporter of the theater arts. And she endowed his chair um, in Polly Pelsner's name because she recognized his value and she didn't want him to to leave Linfield. She thought that chair would stay. So she was just shocked to learn of his firing uh, from a text message from another faculty member. She said she couldn't stay on the board in good conscience. Okay, let's take a break and come back and talk a bit more with Max Bernstein, who covers cops and courts for the Oregonian and Oregon Live. So this isn't the only story you've um, reported on in the higher ed landscape in the last year or so where there have been allegations of um, of sexual misconduct. Uh, you've reported on the so-called TikTok doc up at OHSU, resident Jason Campbell. And now it, it appears uh, that the legislature is considering weighing in in a way to address these situations. Yes, a bipartisan group of legislators proposed a resolution that would set up legislative committee of eight four senators and four House of Representatives who would examine and oversee public universities' handling of sexual and racial misconduct complaints. Do you have any sense of whether that uh, proposal has any legs? Yeah, I, I, it's late in the session, so I'm not sure how much time they have, but it received uh, report uh, support from both sides of the aisle. Max, you talked about the fallout we've seen so far due to this whole situation out at Linfield. Um, what other developments are we still waiting to see to see what happens? What what might be coming next? I wrote about the complaint by it was an anonymous student who sent a letter to the university identifying the fourth trustee, who's a longtime trustee. David Hogeberg, who is really a pillar, considered a pillar in the McMinnville community attorney, has served on the Linfield Board of Trustees since about 1982, had even served as a general counsel in the past, was chair for eight years. And she had alleged, you know, just made to feel uncomfortable at a senior outstanding dinner where the trustees were present, the trustees were drinking. And when she left the trustee dinner, he just like tightly squeezed her, she said, 
hugged her and smiled and winked at her. And she felt uncomfortable. She, she didn't, she didn't report it at the time, but she did tell a professor and she later wrote up an account of what occurred, shared it with the faculty trustee, who is Professor uh, Pollock Pelsner, who submitted it to the university uh, board and president and Title IX coordinator. And um, it was anonymous. The university says the Title IX quarter coordinator read the letter, considered it, but could not follow up because it was anonymous and did not feel that there were any violations of university policy. So that that's the latest complaint. There's a lot of on-campus demonstrations by students in support of Pollock Pelsner. Uh, there's been some backlash of students who chalked the university sidewalks with messages in support of the pre- professor. And, you know, they were told that if their chalk was not sanctioned, they could be fined $25 a day. Um, there was uh, one day, I think it was last week, when there was a, a commencement of sorts where uh, it was called the car commencement because it was type of a drive up commencement. And during that time, campus security, according to some faculty, were removing signs from faculty offices that were in support of Professor Pollock Pelsner. And so they were complaining that they were being censored and, and their academic freedom, which all universities should promote, was being restricted at Linfield. So now I guess the question is, Professor Pollock Pelsner said he's consulting with attorneys. The question is what what steps he might take. Well, the story has has made national headlines now and, you know, New York Times and um, Inside Higher Ed and the Chronicle of Higher Education. And, you know, it, it doesn't appear to be going anywhere. And we still have the legal issues with uh, with the trustees that we started this whole conversation out with. David Jubb's uh, case is sometime later this year, right? Right. I think he's set for trial in November. Well, thank you so much for your reporting on this and for explaining it. There's so many moving parts and um, a lot going on out in McMinnville. Thanks for taking time to talk about it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. I shared a link to a few of Max's Linfield stories in the episode notes. If you like this show, leave us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It helps others find the show. And tell a friend. Help spread the word. If you value our journalism, the best way to support us is with a subscription to Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.